platform. Step up and speak out. It's a good evening. It's ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town. It has just gone 27 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. I'm with you until half past the 8. It is the half past 8 o'clock. It is the platform and uh, we're broadcasting out of Harare where the frequency is 106.4. And if you're listening from my hometown, Vulawayo 106.7 and uh, Gweru is 104.104.3, Chivu 99.8 and also just mentioned Victoria Falls 106.5. If you want to listen to us over the internet, is www.zfmstereo.co.zw uh, on twitter follow us at zfm stereo on facebook facebook.com forward slash zfm stereo our whatsapp number is 0731168045 it's immediately open and our call in number being 0772168045 zimbabwe is targeting self-sufficiency in as far as wheat production with 75,000 hectares to be planted this winter the agriculture ministry has said russia's operations in ukraine uh, have uh, disrupted uh, exports as the two countries supply a third of the world's wheat. According to the Agriculture Ministry, Zimbabwe has been witnessing a, a steady growth in wheat output over the past three seasons with 220,000 tons produced in 2020, 330,000 tons in 2021, rising to 380,000 tons this year if the government's projections are correct. Today in the studio, we had him a couple of weeks ago, uh, brought him back and I knew we still had a lot of things we needed, needed to interrogate. And still, there have been other developments since then. Uh, the Grain Meadows Association of, Z- Association of Zimbabwe Chairman, Tafazom Sarada, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you and thank you for having me. So, a lot of speculation on the market at the moment regarding the availability of maize and wheat. Can you can we start off by clarifying what the situation is? The... World economy is currently facing uh, acute shortages of um, of grain, uh, largely precipitated by the Ukraine-Russia conflict. The two countries um, are to, are in the ranks top five in production of uh, sunflower, maize, wheat, and also on the other commodities such as uh, fuel, gas, and fertilizers, which are also critical in in the production of food. So, we, we, we are having a negative net position uh, as the world economy. And uh, the, in addition to the conflict, some countries, in fact, major, some major uh, grain uh, producing countries are facing um, global warming consequences, droughts or, or excessive rainfall, which is impacting also on the uh, production and uh, uh, militating against good harvest. Uh, Zimbabwe is not an exception. The world supply levels for sunflower, which of course is cooking well, maize, wheat, uh, you've seen all these commodities going up uh, because of the conflict in Ukraine and because of the, uh, the poor rainfall patterns that has been experienced in some of the leading grain producing countries. And what about uh, in Zimbabwe? In Zimbabwe, we had um, serious changes to the rainfall pattern. Uh, there was a spell, dry spell for some time, and suddenly we had rains which ran very late, affecting, of course, that means that would have uh, made it. Uh, 
currently most of the maize is ranging around 17 to 20 percent moisture content it is still it's too wet we can't even process it it's not ready gmp wants 12.5 percent and in addition to that the weather is not cooperating it's very cold uh, nearly 96 percent of the maize that we grow can be uh, is put through um, artificial drying which is through the drying process where you have dryers and machines otherwise the rest of the maize we wait for the for for the national occurrence in terms of of um, of, of them reaching to the moisture content that we have so that delay in uh, the maize that we have drying naturally is causing a, a supply deficit and um, uh, is there we'll get it august going forward and uh, government in its wisdom invited us now to go into the region into the world to start procuring grain uh, to come and supplement what we're going to expect notwithstanding the fact that uh, our yields this year will be will not as good as the other past two seasons okay we'll talk about the importation we're talking about so just run me through that again you say 96 percent of the maize that we grow in the country is it the one that needs to be at artificially dry no 96 percent of the maize dries naturally uh, with maize is a commodity largely grown by peasant farmers rural farmers and who doesn't have the way with the equipment the necessary equipment to dry the maize so if you want your maize to dry faster you need that equipment which is not accessible to majority of the maize farmers uh, it will dry it will reach the moisture content levels that we need which makes it ready for processing but uh, it takes long and uh, the longer it takes the more it creates a summer a supply gap and then if we're looking at is that this suggests that 96 percent if you're using that as a figure 96 percent or, or so of the maize that is being supplied is being produced by uh, small-scale uh, producers no 96 uh, percent of all the maize produced uh, is like is left to dry naturally only a fraction of that can uh, is going through the drying process of that 96 percent it's composed of course the raw farmers peasant farmers and even some commercial farmers who necessarily, who necessarily don't have the equipment to dry it but uh, it will ultimately in, uh, find its way to uh, to the market oh seven three one one six eight zero four five get in touch with me in the studio on our whatsapp number uh we are talking about the uh, meat and uh rather maize and wheat situation in the country uh what is it like on, on your head are you experiencing any uh, speculation around shortages and things of that nature or are you a uh, a farmer of sorts and uh you experiencing some of the things that are being talked about yeah get in touch with us in the studio and uh the, what, what you, you did made an indication of importing 400 uh thousand metric tons of maize from zambia and malau is that correct yes uh and the finance minister said the same what is the status uh of that the zambia imports are starting now uh to come in it's a process that takes long in respect of uh, securing the maize contracting it putting activating logistics uh we are going to have on the zambia side uh the Lusaka province, or rather the Kafu side, will collect maize from there and drop it in Harare to feed the northern part of the country. Then in, uh, we also have another collection point in Livingstone, Zambia, 
to feed into um, into 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 Blawayo, into the southern region. We are anticipating that uh, Malawi will come back, will be back in uh, in the fold, uh, coming in via Mapanda into um, into into Arare. Uh, then through the loan facility we have with the with the government where they can loan some of our they can loan us maize and we replace it with the, the imports in order to ensure that uh, uh, the market is adequately supplied so if you get whatever stocks from malawi we are able now to access our members nationwide wherever they are uh, we have got a very wide geographical spread of our members the, the, then they'll be we deposit into gmb depots and then they will draw from the nearest uh, nearest depot so that the stocks at gmb are not affected and also um, uh, uh, the lead time in terms of logistics is cut it's very short to to allow a speedy movement of that grain into the mainstream meetings the channels so what what sort of stocks does does gmb do you know how much they have at the moment i, I think this chair they can they, they, if you invite them they'll come and sit here and you can ask them all that okay the, the only reason i'm asking about that is if we're replenishing gmb at the moment uh, why we are rushing to then wh- why is this decision to go and import the 400,000 metric tons uh, understand that the international best practices is that a country must have at least a three-year cover for any eventuality when Syria went to war it had eight-year cover of wheat so its first five years during war it did not need imports in our case we are not quite sure, the world is not quite sure, it's not certain, or now the Ukraine, Russia is going to unfold. We need to degenerate into other NATO countries joining in. And remember, half of the NATO countries rank also top 10 in grain, in, in grain and cereal production. So if the, world, if the world degenerates to that, it means that, uh, for instance, America comes in, it is number, uh, America is, is, is perhaps number two, Canada is number three, just in wheat production. So w- each country is taking a, a, a recovery position, a, a preemptive position to import as much maize, build your war chest, have your uh, maize, uh, strategic grain levels. There's some at government level and some at private sector. Import as much maize and wheat as you can. Grow as much maize and wheat as you can because the future is uncertain in light of the uh, geopolitics playing at the moment. So given that scenario, is that to suggest that we have a lead um, of three years at the moment that we have in the country? Well, it might not be as much as that, but I can adequately state that the stocks that we have can supply uh, and sufficiently supply the market currently. We are building towards uh, the three-year cover. And we are doing our part as, gov- as, uh, as private sector to complement what government is doing. Uh, government has done or is doing farming programs. We have your presidential scheme, you have your um, uh, the, the command, the CPZ one. It, whilst one can look at it from a political angle, it is strategic for any government of the day. And even if you read our constitution, section 15, uh, it encumbers the government with the duty to ensure that there is enough food in the country. So, those activities are also um, important in 
in um, bolstering our national stocks. Um, you might also want to know that us as the Granular Association of Zimbabwe, uh, our, we, we are into uh, financing of maize and wheat. I think this year we've uh, financed about 30,000 hectares of wheat as private sector, complementing the presidential scheme wheat program and the uh, the national uh, enhanced production scheme also formerly known as command agriculture so it's all ends on board and uh, private sector government the banks we need to grow as much as possible uh, we need to ensure that uh, the primary production of our crops is adequately financed uh, in fact uh, food production is the future given how the world population is growing uh, the the most lucrative industry uh, will probably food and will take over from tech technology and ICT the next best thing ever in the next 10 years will be crop and livestock production Oh seven three one one six eight zero four five. I'm going to be doing a lot more of your questions from home on our WhatsApp and our call number but uh, right now before I carry on with what I wanted to ask next is this question from Brian who says, is GMAZ, uh, uh, do you call it GMAZ or call it GMAS? Is there a specific way you call it? Yeah, either. Okay, GMAZ, uh, lobbying for more um, viable pricing for the local farmers to grow per local production levels. Farmers are currently holding on to their harvest because of the current misaligned pricing. Farmers simply will not be able to fund their next crop if they sell what they have. Well, um, I may not be competent to discuss that much, but as industry, we support uh, a lucrative, a viable, and a fair price for every produce produced. Farming must be taken as a business. Um, unless farmers can uh, find, f- find reward in what they're doing, they'll be less keen to continue doing that and produce perhaps the same, if not more, uh, hectares. So we would want the farmers to be paid what is viable and what is fair. And of course that is a debate on, on that. Some would want to index it on uh, uh, import parity. Some would look at all that. But uh, uh, production must production, especially as we go into the summer crop, we need to double, if not triple, uh, the hectares that we are growing in light of what is happening uh, in the geopolitics arena. Are you aware of what what was said there, that there are some people who are holding on to their grain or their product? Well, for now, it's too early uh, to comment on that. Like I said, most of the maize, the moisture content is too high. Um, but farmers have got concerns and I understand that the engagement between farmers, representative bodies and government and respect with, uh, with the prices. 0731168045. Uh, Zim importing grain from uh, Malawi and Zambia. What, where are we going wrong? This has got nothing, nothing to do with climate because we're in the same region. We're just not serious. We planted wheat and the Zesa is cutting power all the time. We're likely to face another wheat flop. Grain millers must have contract farming projects where they put our farmers on contract farming, especially for wheat. Uh, so, uh, so a couple of things there. We're in the same kind of environment with Malawi and Zambia. Okay. That was the first one. And the second part uh, about contract far- farming projects. All right. Zimbabwe in, in Southern Africa, 
he has got the highest consumption per capita of maize meal in, in household than in other countries. If you look at Zambia, their staple food is rice and uh, cassava and, and maize. If you look at Malawi, they've got three staples, rice, which they grow, cassava, which they grow, and maize, which they grow. So their consumption of maize is much lower than ourselves. In Zimbabwe, you can find somebody 365 days of the day consuming millimeal at each and every meal, every day. So our demand for millimeal for household consumption is the highest in Southern Africa. Okay. We, we have no, our geography uh, cannot accommodate rice, um, uh, rice production. Cassava, yes, we can grow, but the consumers demand, they want more of, uh, of, um, of, uh, of, of millimeal. The, our rice consumption is perhaps the lowest, again, per household consumption. Um, we are talking of regions of five to 6,000 tons of, uh, of, of rice per month. Other countries, they produce, they produce and consume more than that uh, per month. So we are largely and heavily uh, and and have and uh, have consumers of uh, of millimil, uh, uh, in Zimbabwe than any other country in in Southern Africa. So that is very important. Uh, if you look at um, the 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 weather pattern and everything else, that is um, a subject for debate. But I would think that. We were, we were worse hit in terms of poor rainfalls than most of the uh, our southern African countries. Yes, they experienced the same phenomenon, but not to the extent that we did. Uh, I know uh, you mentioned that we are the highest consumers of maize or maize products uh, in the region. Do we know how much maize we require to feed the nation per year? We require uh, around uh, 1.4 million tons. Okay, 1.4 million tons for human consumption. Then perhaps between five to six hundred thousand tons for for um, for livestock feed. Uh, government NGOs have done their best to promote small grains, so that they act as a substitute to millimil, to or rather to white maize. But uh, as industry, we have also gone further to. Uh, come up with the machinery to, to process these small grains as a viable substitute uh, or alternative. Okay. But unfortunately, our study has shown that as business, that um, whilst uh, we, we respect religion, some of the religion, the Pentecostal churches and others, perhaps tacitly may not be directly have impacted on negatively on, uh, on the small grains. For instance, how many of people would want to eat such a ratio. Okay? But we have a comparative advantage in producing zio than maize. Because even if there's a drought, zio will prosper. Munga will prosper. And uh, the, we, 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 we are ready to pump as much as possible into the market. But there's a serious resistance uh, on the consumption of um, uh, those small grains. If we, we could uh, have that, we would probably grow more of the small grains than that because in some areas they don't need fertilizer. They can survive weeds, they can survive heat, they can survive uh, moisture stress and other, um, you know, challenges that maize encounters. So, small grains is the future and unfortunately, of course, if the consumers are not for it, we are forced to go outside the country to bring in what the consumers want 
but uh, uh, historically before the Portuguese came they are the ones who brought in maize from Mexico around 16th century uh, before then our indigenous grains were the small grains this is what it is so when I look at the, the small grains that you're talking about mm. the question I would ask is if it, could it be down to the fact that someone who is growing small grains does not see them as commercially vi- viable as uh, as maize is yes because the offtake demand is low for the small grains how many people go into a shop and say i want sazaregio for example very few okay unless probably someone was diagnosed with diabetes and the and the on, on the doctor's advice is told uh, to consume that uh, religion has played a very critical role in 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 uh, coming up with our diet there are churches that doesn't eat bread with yeast in this country see because they have got their own negative thinking of yeast what it does they are others who don't, who don't eat bread at all so when we have when people see preferences are influenced by certain factors it is the duty of industry now to bring to the shelf what people would want but uh, sometimes we are forced to bring those things to the shelves which our own geography uh, cannot sustain you know but if you are to consume what we eat like what the chinese did in the late 19 uh, in the late 70s they started to say what is available is what we eat and then that's why you go to china nearly they eat anything and everything in our case uh, the our consumption of maize is just too high it's probably the highest uh, per capita in in southern africa and of course our our hesitation and unwillingness to consume small grains is is backfiring. Oh seven three one one six eight zero four five. Do you have any issues against small grains? It's a very interesting topic for me. I never really thought about it that far. And of course, I've come across uh, religions where they don't eat stuff with yeast and st- stuff like that. But uh, what are your thoughts around that? Is there something that you would explore uh, personally at home and things of that nature? Now, having understood that aspect. Uh, and as far as the resistance in the market and so forth. Um, the question that we have to then ask is, have you gone th- to your members and incentivized them moving towards a uh, small grain? And if, if so, has there been resistance from the members of, of the Grain Matters Association or not? The issue is not with our members. We can stockpile these things, but unless the consumers want them, it doesn't make business sense. What is key in our view, and it's, uh, with due respect, is that we need to um, uh, embark on awareness. We need to change our diets in respect of the staple foods. Um, we are probably one of the few countries in the world that is relying on other countries for staple production. And that is, neg- that, that is dangerous uh, in t- uh, from a secret point perspective. Uh, we have rice Yes, it's too low, but I'll tell you, in 2005, this country was consuming 11,000 tons of rice. Now it's consuming six to 7,000 tons of rice per month. So again, we are seeing uh, an exponential growth in, in, in rice production. So when the president says 2030, vision 2030, middle income status, when people's income grows to middle income, right, they will eat more. Okay? So they'll probably, those who, foods that previously were deemed luxurious becomes basic so uh, if you look at the age group between six months old 
to about 25 years now. They are more into rice than than uh, millimil. Again, this drags the country into a more dangerous position because whilst we are battling to meet the demand for millimil, we uh, those between six and 25. Those are the future. In the next 10 to 20 years, there'll be incomers. There'll be earning incomes. And that becomes their staple food. So we'll be requiring, we'll be relying again on other countries uh, to get rice in order to provide daily meals to our consumers. So I think um, the issue cannot be a government and millers issue. This is a problem that is that uh, faces all of us which we need to encounter head on and uh, you as media i respectfully suggest that you know trigger the the debate let's talk about it can we afford to produce what we want to eat what is it that we should eat uh, that we can produce uh, let's look at all those dynamics how the weather is performing are we still a favorable uh, farming area for for maize the the the, the population is growing probably you're nearing 16 million again demand for maize continues to grow but the yield per hectare continues to come down how do you reconcile all that what is it that we should eat uh, that we can afford in other words what is it that we can kill that we can eat and this guy said that that's what i heard I'm going to try that out. Uh, listen to ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town. Take a quick break. When I come back, when I move to bread. One, two, three. Let's go. The music you love. It's the music we play all day. Tune into ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town. The name is Larry Quiddy. I with you until half past the hour of eight o'clock. It's just before eight o'clock now. Just in a couple of seconds, it'll be eight o'clock. And uh, coming up after me at half past eight is Chilla with our story. We are talking about the maize and wheat situation in the country. And uh, in the studio, I've got Tafazam Sarara, who is the chairman of the Grain Meadows Association of Zimbabwe. Ah got to start talking about eating different things and while we're speaking about different things of course before i w- we interrogate some of those issues i know there's 0731168045 and messages that came in here somebody say historically we were the bread basket of southern africa despite the weather and climate issues we ensure that our new farmers start producing so much needed grains uh, please keep your messages coming in. Uh, our call uh, number is 0772-168045. We understand that, five, five, that um, the medicine, you know, medicine, that five millers in the country, including the the, uh, the largest national miller that is national food, stopped producing bread flour. What is the situation? Well, we are tending to that. Um, we have uh, stocks in the country. 
produced from last year and of course the stocks as you may appreciate if uh, dwindled because uh, we are we've moved further from the from the harvest we're expecting another harvest in about four months or five months from now uh, and at this time it's where it's it's, uh, it's the weather you know you eat you wear uh, whatever you eat whatever you wear is influenced by the weather okay so here uh, the during the cold season uh, we have uh, uh, the weather people consume more tea than any other time of the year so demand for tea demand for and naturally demand for for bread is high this year we do not have uh, what we normally call green harvest green harvest is when we have your bambaira sweet well, so your sweet potatoes your 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 pumpkins and others that kind of substitute the morning bread with those ones so this year is very low so people need more more bread it's very cold people need uh, more tea more bread of course um uh, we have been uh, participating on the auction system getting foreign currency and we are grateful to 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 reserve bank but the demand has gone up that uh, our payments have not been able to catch up to produce to pay uh, for enough wheat uh, which is imported wheat GMB has been doing its best to give us wheat and they're giving us wheat and the minister mentioned it last last week so we had a time where the national stocks perhaps would have uh, gone down run down because we, have, we are far away from the harvest and we are nearing the next harvest then of course demand is high of tea and bread uh, largely informed by the weather and also the low supply of the green harvest and and uh, the wheat that you've produced that, that you have imported in the country uh, is there but we have been lagging behind on um, on payments the millers are persuaded now and we have put this to government that please allow us to sell the flour in US dollars so that we are able we are self-sufficient in uh, in and in ourselves selling in US dollar get the US dollar and pay for the for the imported wheat in US dollar we require imported wheat for two reasons the first one is called gristing okay Zimbabwe is not naturally a wheat growing area so our wheat varieties doesn't give us the good flour to give us a very good bread which the consumers want uh, the bakers the bakers when they buy their baker equipment they buy it from europe and those equipment is made around the varieties of wheat from europe so we need now the imported wheat to come in uh, to mix with our local wheat so that the quality to enhance the quality of flour and give the bread that the consumer so expects the second reason of course is that um, the highest this country has grown uh, during the time of white commercial farmers, according to United uh, USA agriculture statistics, was 1998 200,000 tons. Today, we are we, we have breached that to 220,000. But in 1998, the population was probably around 10 million. Now, the population is around 16 million. I also want to come back to what the other um, listener said about bread basket. You also want to look at when we were bread basket, how many were we? What was our demand here versus our production? Because you can't be exporting uh, unless you first feed your local population. So there has been a, 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 
a, a serious growth in population between perhaps 1995 when we were bad basket and now so all that impacts in uh, in the food uh, security matrix so yes uh, we still have those challenges they are not for millers they are not for bakers they are all of us let's interrogate them together so when you look at the millers that you're talking about the ones that uh when you say you're engaged in that situation mm-hmm. the 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 idea to sell in the US dollars has that been approved by by the government no it's under consideration um of course the fear is that uh, if we sell flour in US dollars bread will go in US dollars when bread goes in US dollars then of course the the the, the whole country dollarized okay so it's something that is under consideration uh, but government has expressed willingness it has put certain measures in place to ensure that we continue to get uh, the foreign currency the way we were we are a priority uh, i think we're in category number one so we get all that and that is being fixed uh, i think tomorrow i've spoken to the minister uh, gmb is making another release of local wheat to ease this so we anticipate that in the next seven days all millers will be back uh, uh, operating all of them but um, still we have millers who are producing um uh, but zimbabweans being zimbabweans whenever there is an anticipated shortage people bulk buy uh, we have received reports that the driver salesman of some of the bread bakeries are now floating bread at a hardware shop instead of a normal shop because people are anticipating uh, a shortage and already arbitrage is crept in so, you suggest, uh, so are you saying at this moment there is no there is no shortage there is shortage we are working on it but like i said it is worsened by some of the conduct that we we do as people that uh, whenever the supply uh, uh, depends we tend now to go into arbitrage mode so the w- w- you're saying this the, the supply is a bit depressed at the moment yeah and there is a short shortage that is there at the moment yeah. you, when do we expect that that shortage is i know you talked about the four months being uh the the the, the distance between when mm-hmm. now and when the 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 the, the, the harvest takes place yeah. but you say there are other interventions that are taking place yeah. when are the first interventions likely to kick the in first intervention uh is likely to kick in the next 24 hours it was mentioned by the minister of finance that gmb is releasing is to have made is to have wit so we are getting a release tomorrow or the day after okay uh, if you read the minister of finance statement is there and uh, we support that uh, measure the second measure is of course reserve bank increasing allocations to amila so that we can pay on time the third one we are saying as private sector in the interim please may you allow us to sell in us dollars so that um, we uh, we are able to generate foreign currency and buy our imported wheat without the assistance of, of, of the auction system but uh, that is a narrow perhaps it's a narrow thinking because we are looking at the business side of things government being the government of the day uh its interests are broader than that they want to look at the implications of it and see how, how will it uh, impact on the consumers so i can't give a date when the um the shortfall will be remedied but i can tell you that uh, it's it should be as soon as possible and also um uh, there are serious engagements between us and government in respect of the wheat payments. We don't have a shortage of wheat. We have issues on payments which needs to be treated. 
what I mean is that uh, we have some wheat locally from last year. We have wheat that we have imported in bond, what you call collateral management, uh, which means wheat comes here. Unless you pay for it, you can get it. So you need to pay for it and get it. And then we are rolling. And how will it have come in? Is it... Uh the, through GMB or is it through... No, through, this is through, through the private, private sector. Private sector. Yes. The GMB is doing a fantastic job in harnessing all the wheat from farmers, keeping them and sell to us over the year. We are now doing the bit of going out, procuring the wheat, bring it into the country in, in collateral management uh, uh, arrangements, which means the wheat is coming into the country unpaid, into a bond. We pay, it's released equivalent to what would have paid. Uh, that is the model in even other first world countries. Um, it makes it easier, especially given that the country doesn't have credit lines. So it's a makeshift, very competent one, arrangement to have the grain into the country and then if you pay, you can collect it. And I guess it's the same way how fuel imports are managed. And and what what is the availability? I know the Last time you were in the studio, we talked about how the availab- what the availability of wheat across the world was, given the conflict in uh, in, in Ukraine uh, with Russia. W- what is the availability in the world market? Russia uh, ranked number one in 2021. Uh, it's it, uh, 7.7 billion tons. Ukraine ranked number five. It's about 3.5, 3.6 billion per, uh, tons export uh, no worth of yeah and then uh, that's sorry that's in u.s dollars worth of wheat and uh, the two uh, like you rightly say is 38 percent they constitute 38 percent of the world wheat supply okay uh, because of the war uh, what has happened is that the seat of monopore and sit in another port called odessa those are the exit ports into the world. And of course, United Nations and others buy from them and Africa. Uh, ours will normally come through a city of Odessa. And as we speak, at that port now, there's 20 million tons of wheat. Uh, but the exit pathway is, is impossible uh, because of the war. So if the war is resolved, that's which is meant for export market. It's uh, uh, it's non, the non-movement of that world, which simply shrinks the world with supply. It's it simply becomes just wheat there. It's not. It's outside the world economy. We can't access it. So where did we get this wheat? We still have other countries. You know, there are about seventeen countries that are from the South Americas that are exporting. We have America, Canada, Australia, Argentina, and other Eastern countries that Eastern Af- Eastern uh, European countries that are still have some stocks um, in the in trade. What we call stocks in trade, and some are still creeping out. We're still getting the weight. Okay, oh uh, seven three one one six eight zero four five. Before I, I ask the question that the the, uh, the listeners ask, I know that, that this is not necessary within your purview, but I think the 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 the, um, the, the National Bakers Association say that the, what the price of their bread would be would be influenced also partly by the what they're able to get it at from the millers. Uh, on your end. 
from your end, what do you think is part, actually your responsibility as far as that is concerned? Do you, is there something that has been done for the Miller side in terms of the costing that has necessitated for the increase of bread, bread from 590 to 700? Well, I, I guess the bakers are more competent to ask to answer that. But uh, for your information, uh, wheat prices from 1 January of this year, in fact from 31 December 2021 up to date, uh, on world market price in US dollars, they've gone up by about 62%, the wheat prices. And even if the war ends today, the price does not uh, slash back to where it was 30 December of last year. Okay, So we still have the inflation uh, uh, challenge uh, for, the ne- for the next four or five years. Uh, some of the areas, wheat growing areas, have been affected by the war. And you don't expect Ukraine to reopen tomorrow. War ends today, they reopen tomorrow and they start to work business as usual. So some of the wheat fields uh, have been affected. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, what the Ukraine war, the biggest damage they've t- the Ukraine-Russia war, the most devastating impact it has had is a disruption in value chain. Not only in wheat, in sunflower, in fertilizer, in gas, and many others. And all that commodities, one or the other, they form an ecosystem. We need fertilizer to grow the the wheat, and uh, perhaps we need sunflower to, so that you're cooking oil to bake the bread. So there's a relation, they, they are interrelated, all those products, uh, in as far as production of the commodities that we need uh, in order to, to have meals on our table. So, given that sort of scenario, then are we then like saying, uh, unless there are other f- forms of subsidies that exist, the price of bread, uh, just use looking at bread alone, because uh, of, of your, what you call it, your your aspect, the, the mm-hmm. cost that it will get it, get it from is part of the input cost. So, therefore, if you go up or if you go to US dollars, that affects what the end user gets it at. Uh, from what you're suggesting is that we shouldn't, even if a resolution were to come, the relief for the customer should not be expected for a considerable amount of time. Well, a subsidy may not be a bad idea, but it's normally part of the discussion between the consumers and the government. Okay. Um, I know in uh, in Egypt, which is the world's biggest net importer, they've got uh, every type of bread they have there to ensure that everyone has got something to eat because bread is real staple. They've no size Bread is their main staple food. So yes, subs is something other governments have started to to look at uh, as a safety net to cushion the impact of uh, of these um, of these vagaries. You know, prices going out up uh, outside the control of the, any government, and uh, some are moving in to um, to, to to cushion the uh, the consumers. Uh, America is currently experiencing uh, its worst inflation in more than three four decades you know and uh, the government is trying to now to do something uh, to reduce the prices but of course subs are costly to the fiscals the the uncamber uh, the fiscals heavily and then of course create another problem because you still need to budget for them 0731168045. I suspect that you partially answered that. Why is it that we, it looks and sounds like this war is affecting us more than any other country in the world? Uh, well, 
we live in Zimbabwe, we can comment about our situations, but I can tell you that uh, with my interactions with others, uh, everyone is affected. Bread has gone up in, in South Africa, in Botswana, it's going up all over. Uh, exchange rate has been affected uh, because uh, of, 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 of this war. The extent and the impact, of course, differs, but uh, at the moment, uh, the Ukraine war is affected all economies in the world. Including America and I would and and um, and, uh, and and United Kingdom, there was rationing of cooking oil in United Kingdom because their 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 source of sunflower can't give them because of the war. So everyone is affected in the world, uh, albeit at different um, levels. But we can, you know, there, there is a global food inflation. Uh, there is a serious uh, disruption on the food value chains and indeed all economies are affected. I know you did say that the conversation over something like, I'm just giving this as an example, the punting of this is one simple example, of things like solutions such as subsidies is something that should happen between the consumer and the government. But would it not be prudent at this point to sort of, for want of a better term, to create a tripartite where representatives of all sectors are involved? Because in this instance, uh, I've got a, a, a listener on 0731168045 who accuses the businesses of, explo- of exploiting the masses. And that is the perspective that is being seen by some, being felt by someone who's sitting at home right now that, well, we think it's the businesses that are just trying to make money from us here. In food industry, well, I cannot comment about the other type of businesses, but in food industry, we make profit out of volumes. Okay, so if you have got a plant with uh, 400 staff and need to produce perhaps 2 million units per month, all right, uh, if you increase prices, the, of course, aggregate demand uh, responds and your volumes will actually come down. If your volumes comes down, then uh, you are affected because your economies of scale are also going to tip you into, into, into the negative position. We thrive on volumes. We are a volumes industry. And we don't generate profit out of increasing prices. Perhaps that is for other commodities such as whiskey, diamonds, and chocolates. In the basic, in the FS, uh, FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods sector, we want to make sure that if you are producing bread, you produce as much as possible. Because your unit cost becomes, the more you produce, the less it will be per unit cost. You see, so the the, the less you produce, the more. Uh, it will cost you to produce one unit. It is not in our best interest that prices goes up. It affects us, you see. Volumes comes down, consumer spend is affected, and in some instances, consumers tend to uh, to boycott that, pro- uh, that uh, commodity and say, look, I'll fast on that one, let it pass. So it's not, it's not clear, it's not proper, it's not correct that uh, one can accuse us for profiteering. We also don't want price increases. Um, the, the, the more stable the price, the more profitable it is for us to do business. Oh, 0731168045, what's happening to the wheat that is being farmed in Zim? A lot of money is going into the farming of wheat. Why do we fund something which does not benefit the country, that is Conrad? We, like I indicated, we have... Uh, close to 60 million people in Zimbabwe and uh, our wheat consumption continues to grow. We are now consuming between 450,000 to 470,000. We have a youth dividend 
uh, which constitute perhaps more than 50% of the country. They are changing their dietary preferences to more of flour-related products. Okay, they're eating more bread. They want more bread than what we used our generation to consume, um, and that has seen prices of of you've seen demand for wheat going up. Uh, in 2000, this country probably would do with uh, 200,000 tons. Now it is doubled. So the more we, we need to look at it and say, the more our population grows. Uh, the more the demand for wheat and others uh, also increases. So, 220,000 is more than the wheat that was grown in 1998 when all white commercial farmers are there. But because if if our population was 1998, if our current population was the same with 1998, we could be perhaps starting to export to, um, to export wheat. But because our population is doubled or rather next to um, demand for wheat is going up demand for rice is going up and that puts much pressure on agriculture so again coming back to my point uh, in the next five ten years food production crop production is going to be the most profitable business taking over from uh, tech technology yeah why would you say that the world economy is growing the consumption is growing and uh, we have seen a lot of urbanization in other countries the farmland is shrinking some is taken is 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 uh, some of the farmland is either uh, taken away from uh, by mining some by urbanization some by the geography by, by just the natural occurrences of uh, floods and whatever and then that whole area is affected so the we have two invest positions of a, a steadily growing world population and a shrinking farming land so the, right so this the, the two who simply points to a high demand for food so in terms of food security uh, is this a conversation that is happening within zimbabwe whether at government level or whether within your organization to see how we don't have a situation where that could be, you know, traumatic for 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 the country. Uh, come five years from now, from a Jima's point of view, we we are trying to rally as much funding as possible towards uh, crop production. Uh, the land reform is done and dusted. It I don't think it will be reversible. It is the we now need more investment in the and uh, we are now working with government to change the legislative framework so that it becomes more friendly to capital and uh, whoever invests in agriculture is able to recoup their 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 funding in fact we are looking at uh, uh, in the next few months a roadshow to go to um, to the, to appeal to our diaspora uh, zimbabweans those in the diaspora to say how best can we partner with them in raising uh, capital? The market for maize is there, for for wheat is there. We are the market. We can give a bankable offtake commitments. And what we need now is the, those Zimbabweans who are there, who are keen to invest in their country. Agriculture needs to, is is going to be, in fact, is the next best thing. Uh, of course certain laws must be put in place so that it is more friendly productivity is enhanced and government has made it very clear especially to us that at least 40 percent of the grains that we need we need to fund them and we are working towards that
And so, are you confident that this solution will be found with the diaspora and so forth? And what are you offering? Because the other side of it all, you did say that if a lot of our staple requirements are either grown externally, but in this instance, probably externally funded, if not by uh, the by the by the by the diaspora, but by some foreign investor who thinks maybe we'll grow our food in Zimbabwe. Uh, to supply Europe because they, you know, of the conditions that you're suggesting, how do you protect ourselves from that? Because we could end up being in the same situation where it's more profitable to uh, export uh, the food rather than keep it here. Well, there's no country that exports food and leaving its 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 uh, its pantries empty. You, we are we, our investment drive is targeting not only diaspora but other institutions that would want to come to Zimbabwe and work with us. Uh, like I said, uh, the market we are the market, and government I think is moving towards to the usual international best practice. No, no, I get that. Yeah. But then what I'm saying is that well, you've actually spoken about this market sometimes where arbitrage takes place, where yeah. somebody will... I mean, there were times when people were getting given fuel for free mm. and instead of using it to uh, grow uh, food, they decided to sell the fuel. So well, how do we... The, safe, will the there safeguards. Be protection? Yeah, the safeguards. I think I'm talking about the safeguards. The safeguards are clear. In terms of international law, you can't uh, export without papers. Right, uh, food cannot. It's not just any other commodity, and the, you get an export permit from the country of origin. And the policy is that uh, export. You export your excess. You, if you if you are able to produce what you need, anything above outside that uh, what we need can be exported. So in our case, it is we want again in our best interest to go there, uh, bring in investors who farm and export because we won't have any grain to produce ourselves we are going in there to to uh, attract investments to partner with us to do contract farming and then grow enough grains for our meals that's what we want to do for our meals and then of course if there's excess uh, for instance i'll tell you we have got orders to supply flour into lubumbash we can do it. We've done it perhaps 25 years ago and it stopped because we could not grow enough for ourselves. So whenever that window happens, uh, export must become secondary uh, only after we have met our own needs. Finally, before we go, are they, what do you say? Are we confident that we will have a solution to the current uh, situation this year? The, 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 the maize and wheat situations. I know you've talked about the maize needing to dry and all that, that sort of thing. Are you confident that within the next couple of months we won't be necessarily be at the same position we're in? Yeah, we are, most, we, we are very comfortable. Uh, remember whenever there's a grain shortage, uh, it's not only affect consumers, but it also affects our business. So again, it's in our interest that we have enough grain uh, to have our meals running and of course the consumer is well and adequately supplied. Tafazam Sarara, the Grain Millers Association Chairman, thank you very much. Grain Millers Association of Zimbabwe Chairman, thank you very much for joining us. My name is Larry Kwiderai. Uh, coming up now is Chilla with our story. Take care of yourself and the people that you love. Stay tuned to ZFM Stereo. As I say from where I come from, Asiri Siasebenza. Take care of yourself.